Well, listeners, it is so good to be with you this Friday. Uh, driving in to Radio Pulpit offices in Pretoria, got to go through about 50 kilometers of just steady, gentle rain, which always gets me so excited. I, I've just loved the rain this year. Um, but I hear that there's a cold front coming in, starts today, goes until Monday next week, and I expect that winter has arrived, or at least is knocking on the door. Um, and so that change of temperature will probably bring about those brown, grassy fields and uh, and a bit of a change to the demeanor to Gautengeling. <laughs> At the same time, love this time of year and uh, love the rain that comes from God's hand. He really is a good God who brings the seasons in, winter, spring, noontime and harvest. You are listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio K Pulpit with me, Mark Penrith, your host. And Teppo Pitzel, my partner in crime extraordinaire, is probably at Crystal Park um, uh, listening in this morning. Instead, next to me, I have a friend, Lance Lawton. I'll be introducing him to you in a moment. Um, Lance and I are going to be talking in the second part of the show uh, on the topic of elders. And I'm really looking to talk about church leadership together with you Lance. Um, I'm from Crystal Park Baptist Church Benoni where I serve my local church as a staff elder caring for the souls of men and changing the light up bulbs so shout out to everyone from Ikurileni tuning in from our hood of Benoni. Uh, On Table Talk we have various guests come on and we converse on a range of Bible subjects. Maybe just to say that on the controls this morning, pressing all the buttons and making sure that the lights stay on is our co-laborer in the ministry. Vusi, morning brother, so good to have you with us. Um, Listener, I am inviting you to join in the conversation. Uh, Really, I've enjoyed over the last couple of weeks the voice notes as they've rolled in they have added and contributed both to the conversation as you have made observations um, or raised questions um, as you've been engaging on contact uh, on content Uh, let me tell you how you can interact with us Uh, you can contact us on whatsapp and telegram the number is 082-657-2729 082-657-2729. Get those voice notes rolling in. Those are definitely my favorite. Um, but you can also just uh, drop a note on Facebook or Telegram. You can both watch and comment on Facebook. I see those comments coming up in front of me uh, on the Starship Enterprise screens that I have around me. Um, the Facebook page to tune into where you can see the live stream is Radio Pulpit Radio Console. Um, and there you can make comments. On Twitter, the Twitter handle is at 657am, at 657am. Let me just tell you that WhatsApp number again. It is 082 six five seven two seven two nine on Fridays we often start by talking to Michael Swain uh, Michael is the executive director of an organization for uh, uh, 4SA freedom of religion South Africa uh, Michael has studied law he's been successful in business he has been involved and was a co-founder of the his people every nation church movement in South Africa um, I have been interacting with him for a number of years now, and he's my go-to guy when I want to know what's going on in the country um, in terms of the relationship between the church and the state. Uh, Michael, it's so good to have you on with us, brother. Wonderful to be with you again, Mark. 
And uh, I, I assume that you guys have a cold front uh, in Cape Town as well at the moment? Well, I'm happy to say no. It's a beautiful sunny morning, so ah, let's hope off. you get a good weekend as well. <laughs> well, I, I do hope that you guys get some rain, because uh, you guys, I think, get a little bit more winter rain than summer rain, or is it kind of coastal? That's, that's so you get, the norm. That's the yeah, norm. That's no, listen, the norm. we hope we do. We certainly don't need another drought, that's for sure. Ah, shame. My parents are down in Port Elizabeth, and uh, yeah, they, they are water-starved down there. Mm. Uh, cook a dam at all-time lows, and they really need rain. Um, desperately uh, yeah. if you're listening in spare a prayer for the people down in the Eastern Cape Michael this morning what are we talking about brother we're going to talk this morning about the lockdown regulations and particularly how they affect churches who used to meet in school halls mm. now you, you may know that many many churches use or used to use school premises for their Sunday gatherings particularly yes and Unfortunately, as a consequence of the regulations, the Department of Basic Education, uh, in their directions which they issued under lockdown level three, in fact, mm. uh, said that all events at schools remain suspended until such a date determined by the minister. Sure. And the Western Cape down here, and I think they would have applied generally, said that schools or school halls may therefore not be used for church services, among other things. Okay. But you know, we're now talking 10 months later. And therefore, for 10 months, these churches that, and many, many of them, of course, meet in disadvantaged areas, typically, um, where for historic reasons, churches have not been able to purchase or acquire property of their own. And so mm. they're dependent upon this. And therefore, they have literally not been able to meet in community, even though, of course, under the current lockdown level regulations, you can gather for up to 250 people at indoor venues and 500 outdoors, subject to the 50%. Um, obviously in sanitation and social distancing and mm. record keeping and all the rest um, but they have not been able to now the, the, the significant thing perhaps came which is what prompted us to write again uh, to the department was that they have now issued new regulations on the 23rd of April okay. um, which is last week basically um, and at these new regulations they now do allow for the resumption of inter alias sports matches um, which involve both contact and non-contact non sport and extracurricular activities and tournaments, school and district, for up to 250 people indoors and 500 outdoors. So we've written to them basically to say, when are you going to amend this regulation? Because obviously it's now, we think, should no longer be applicable. You know, Michael, this does actually cut close to home in that uh, our church is completely outgrown its facilities many times over um we 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 run a we run a service on on a sunday we run two services on a sunday and we we have to beam our 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 service to four different locations in our in our building uh, in order to accommodate people it, it's uh, you know we we just we just too big for our hall and we've reached out to the local school and said look is there a school hall is it available and, and they have responded just like you've said by saying no actually at this stage we are we are restricted we we can't I mean, we've got great relationships with our schools we provide them with services uh, we interact with them um uh, yeah and they've they've not been able to assist um and then I, I know from just you know speaking to friends that many schools will actually have multiple churches running on a sunday uh in their building so it's not just the school hall but you know like even smaller churches micro churches will run in 
in in staff rooms um, or alternatively in large classrooms um, and they'll have you know three services running simultaneously um, at the local school um, and so this definitely has had direct impact uh, on the church I'm so glad that you're taking this up brother yes again you know we have said from the beginning follow the data follow the logic and we simply no longer see that they're is data or logic to support the current position because you know all the activities which are now currently allowed by mm. uh, the DBE in schools are not subject to any time restrictions at least uh, and at least you know in the case of the contact sport there's obviously going to be very close proximity with you know people to people and therefore if you like a greater inherent risk of furthering the spread of covid if that is still the uh, main argument in the school environment so why therefore would religious gatherings, which are subject to much stricter limitations of people and social distancing and time lengths, etc., um, be any more dangerous than the events which they currently do allow? Mm. And again, look at this now in the context of the fact that really since about the 3rd, 4th of March, um, infection rates are way down. I mean, it's literally 0.00001% of the population are now being infected. The second wave has absolutely passed and there is no third wave in sight. So, again, churches meet on a day which is not a school day. Mm. They meet on a Sunday and they have to sanitize them. They have to uh, before and after and all the rest of it. And so they're not even having interaction or contact with learners or school staff or anything. And the building will be left basically vacant overnight. And we know we now know from the science that there is no risk of, you know, infection from surfaces and that type of thing. And so, therefore, it doesn't make logical sense anymore uh, that schools can no longer meet at school premises. Um, and, and, and we're simply writing to the uh, Department of Basic Education again and saying your rationale was that only those people who have to be physically present on site should be allowed because of the great risk. But th this doesn't apply and it doesn't apply because you've now passed regulations which allow a lot of people on premises anyway. And it doesn't apply because there is no interpersonal contact in any event between these services. So we're hoping, and we've asked them to reply to us by uh, May the 7th, that they're going to review now these regulations and we trust will again allow uh, churches to meet back on school premises. I think very importantly as well to say is that, you know, in times past, this has been a very valuable source of income for churches, uh, for, for schools as well. You know, school governing bodies who were formerly allowed to lease out school premises or parts thereof, would also bring in income. And that income was used for the benefit of learners. And as I say, many of these schools are in previously disadvantaged areas where mm. the maximum opportunity for you know extra income and therefore extra facilities for the learners, you would think that should be a priority. For sure. Um, so we're certainly hoping that the minister will consider this. Um, we, we also forwarded it to the president. And we will certainly be taking it up further now, because, as I say, follow the data, follow the logic. There just doesn't seem to be any further rationale um, or justification for keeping churches out of school premises, which, as I say, formerly was absolutely the norm. You know, I, I was I was driving through Benoni. Um, I think on Friday evening uh, we were going to a function, my wife and I. And uh, as I was driving, we went past one of the one of the school grounds or one of the the local sports grounds. 
and it was just jam-packed. Uh, when I say jam-packed, I mean the pitch was completely flooded with people uh, playing soccer. My initial response actually was just excitement, just the, the idea of sport happening and, and kids getting some physical exercise. Um, but now, as you're talking and as you're speaking of these changes to regulations and uh, and as they um, pertain to schools, yeah, just looking forward to to relaxation of of restrictions as they relate to churches michael thanks so much a really again interesting chat um brother you've you've released a frequently asked questions on uh, amended and adjusted level one lockdown regulations for churches uh, can you just tell the listeners how to find that and 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 maybe let me just do a plug for you i i have found uh, between the work that you've done as we've gone through changes to lockdown levels that you have given our church in particular much needed guidance thank you so much uh, in terms of what is allowed what isn't allowed what would be prudent what wouldn't be prudent really enjoyed uh, these uh, frequently asked questions that you have released in the past well no, thank you because look obviously they do take a little bit of understanding and we've tried to make them as simple as possible and we've done that in the form of frequently asked questions and we've done them for places of worship and also places of work and yes you can get them on our website uh, www.forsa.org.za um, that's forsa.org.za mark i also whatsapped you the links uh, so if you've got a WhatsApp or you even want to drop the link uh, on the back of this radio interview, if it's going to be posted somewhere. But, yes, yeah, spread them far and wide. I mean, they're obviously meant to be helpful. We believe that they are and they have been. Thank you for the compliment. And that's what we intend to do. So, you know, we, we, we are very much watching this whole area and trying to help the faith community navigate their way through it so that, yes, we understand that it's a bit of serious pandemic and it is obviously these regulations they have to be followed uh sometimes people maybe don't follow them because they don't know what they should or should not do mm. we've tried to make their life easier uh, so by all means do go onto our website and pick these up and distribute them freely maybe just for the listeners benefits i have on the radio pulpit facebook page um right now we are live streaming uh, table talk you can find it's the it's the stream that's currently on and in the comments i have put uh, the the quote that you sent through to me the the whatsapp that you sent through to me so people will be able to access the information quite easily on, on the radio pulpit uh, uh, facebook page right now michael I always appreciate speaking to you. Thank you so much for the insight. I do hope that many people go to the 4SA uh, website and uh, yeah, are, are encouraged and find the information that they need, uh, that the church might be uh, edified and strengthened and that the kingdom might be extended to God's praise and glory. Brilliant. And and do, do also, when you get there, sign up for our newsletter uh, so we can get you current updated information on this and all other um, threats to our religious freedom and please click that all important donate button because we are dependent upon voluntary contributions to continue the work that we do great to speak to you michael cheers enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend god bless thank you god bless you well friends um always enjoy that uh, that part of the show always find it informative uh, grateful for the work that 4sa is doing right now we are moving and shifting gears. We are going to be talking with Lance Lawton 
Um, you know, I often introduce uh, Tsepo as partner in crime extraordinaire. Uh, in many ways, Lance and I are partners, uh, just no crimes. <laughs> but, he, but, but, but he is extraordinary, <laughs> and it's lovely to have you on uh, the show. I've been trying to get you on the show for quite a while now. Um, you're a busy man, Lance, and so uh, it was wonderful when you agreed to, to this date. And you have picked a topic which I think will resonate with many, many people. Uh, that uh, that that are thinking about church leadership and how church leadership functions and how it functions well and how it functions biblically, and mm. um, we're going to be talking about elders um, specifically, um, the raising up and the recognition of good elders. Mm. That's uh, that's the the adjective that you gave to the word elders, and I thought that that was really smart because elders. Uh, the word, the people who will be willing to step into the role, maybe those aren't that difficult to find, but good elders, mm. you said rarer than hen's teeth. And mm. so that's what we're going to be engaging on in this part of the show. And listen, I, I just want to remind you again that uh, you are free to interact with us. I do think uh, Smackdown um, uh, says, uh, Morning, glad you are here. Uh, and for your show, always enjoy it. God bless. Oh, that's from Rudy. Okay, came up as uh, as Smackdown. But, but, but Rudy, appreciate your presence. Glad that you're listening in. Um, good to have you with us. Um, and a number of other people who have just uh, interacted by saying hi uh, and that they are on with us. Uh, I do want you to interact. I, I want you to ask questions, make comments, observations, ask questions from Scripture um, or as the conversation is going. And you can do that in one of these three ways. Uh, firstly, get those voice notes rolling in on WhatsApp and Telegram. The number is 082-657-2729. Really enjoy uh, those interactions. You can speak to us on Twitter. I get to see that on the screen. Uh, the handle is at 657am. And we are on Facebook live streaming right now. Please do share us. Uh, that is Radio Pulpit Radio Console. Um, you share with your friends and you get the, the message out and uh, mechanisms to interact are there. Um, I will also post into the show notes how you can take a look at previous episodes because we've now been running for about 20 plus weeks um, and so there is a library of conversations that are available to the listener on all manner of topics from the reformation of township churches um, all the way through to how mercy ministry looks and feels within the space of the local church but this morning Lance uh, let me introduce you to the listeners um, Lance is the coordinator of the Baptist Northern Association the Baptist Northern Association is a free will association of Baptist churches which has uh, which exists in Gauteng Mpumalanga Limpopo Northwest. North Northwest um, and and really accounts for about 127 members yeah. I'm just guessing I mean I, I chose a number that sounded authoritative well, well it's less than that but okay. we have more, yeah, about 150 churches but not everyone's a member church so, okay yeah. um, and, and those churches are all <clears throat> Baptist in terms of their ethos uh, they ascribe to a statement of belief um, a common statement of belief uh, across them you can see that statement of belief it is available on the Baptist Northern Association's website which I think is Baptist Northern Association dot org dot za um, and you can find out more about the member churches there's a directory there so people can find member churches and quite a lot of information uh, regular blog posts from yourself and and others um so Lance you coordinate that does that mean that you are the Baptist Pope or what is a co- what is a Baptist coordinator 
I'm I'm the guy with a bag of plugs strapped over my shoulder, trying to find which which hole uh, you know and which plug go together. So so that's what I do. I, I really am the guy who um, just assists the local church with whatever whatever they need assistance with. And very often when they come to us, it's a bit like when you hear a couple or thinking about divorce when they come to the pastor. It's it's kind of a, a desperate cry. So. So we try and do everything that local church needs to be done that often either they're not sure how to or not quite sure who to chat to. So we just we just are, you know, either if we haven't got the plug in our own bag, you need to chat to so-and-so, they're the guys to speak to. And so that we really just do the connections. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. And look, the, the reference to the Baptist Pope is really tongue-in-cheek <laughs> because... Because Baptist churches are congregational by nature. In other words, it's the members under Christ mm. that 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 really are the the highest decision-making body of of any individual autonomous Baptist church, um, and, and that's important to note because um, Baptist churches operate without any external uh, uh, oversight or, or undue um, kind of external. Um, manipulation, um, but call at it, the same time, governance, Mark. but at the same time, uh, the Baptist Northern Association and you as a coordinator are there when something goes wrong and people need help and mm. they need they they need wisdom of somebody who's done something fifty times before in different contexts. Uh, they then give you a phone call and you are available, or you know Correct. how to connect them with yeah, your team. Right yeah. um, and another reason why to just talk about congregational principle right up front is because we're talking about biblical leadership yeah. and uh, and we're talking about elders and I guess it is important to define how do elders fit into into a Baptist context, into a Baptist framework um, how does this congregational principle which we hold to um, as a biblical principle um, fit with a biblical leadership which we also see in God's word of elders and deacons maybe, mm. maybe you mm. want to just start off by talking about that sure, uh, perhaps, perhaps just to say Mark, among the churches I serve uh, you know, Baptist churches we, we've been in South Africa since the 1820s since that group of of guys came from the from Europe, and they brought a model with them that I think is best described as as an executive uh, leadership model that typically sees one pastor, and let me use that word. And for me, when I use the word pastor, I'm I'm using that interchangeably with pastor, elder, um, um, overseer the one who's who shepherds the flock there is no difference in terminology biblically between a pastor and an elder and so typically one pastor usually the paid employee not in every case but certainly often and then often with a few deacons around uh, around him in terms of this is our definition of of a church leadership and so in some ways we're the new kids on the block in terms of seeing the little s in scripture at the end of the word elder and saying oh okay there's meant to be more than one uh so would you just draw that out a a, a little bit Uh, i mean just to give that a little bit of context when we read in scripture we we see this word elder uh, appears over and over again Um, in actual fact if I look at uh, the Bible that I'm reading from the word elder in the New Testament appears 68 times when talking of church leadership 
it always, without exception, appears in the plural. Uh, it is always intended to be a plurality uh, of leaders in the local church. Correct. So, so the moment, so the moment you bring on through the process, whatever process you have in terms of a nomination and election process of elders, it it begs the question: How do the, this group of elders now, plural, two, three, ten? relate to and function with the deacons and and that necessitates a change in in the executive model Mm. so for me and i think we are kind of the new kids on the block in terms of church leadership playing catch-up in terms of a plurality of elders and uh, deacons that serve together for the well-being of the local church mm. um, and so that's that's what we're doing and that's kind of where we're going um, in terms of a new or perhaps a, a more recent understanding of church leadership yeah. I mean just two things one one is just historical context um, uh, because I, I love history I'm like a real student of the past um, it's very interesting that that the guys that landed on South African shores, there, there was a bit, a bit of a mixed bag of fruit mm. in that the guys that were sent out from Spurgeon, for instance, and I can track at least 22 guys that were sent directly from Spurgeon or from Spurgeon's college, mm. they came with 1689 mm. con- uh, as their church constitution or mm. confession of mm. faith. Um, which recognizes both elders and deacons as office bearers of the church and and, and a pastor. And I, I I think that there, that there's a possibility that there was a shift even in from an elder-led model to this kind of executive where the where the the pastor reports into a deacon board that 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 shift actually might even be a little bit more recent than than what we think. I think you're right. And maybe that. a reclaiming uh, of the past yeah. happening at the yeah. moment. That, that, that was yeah. the one thing. The second thing is I I want us to ground our conversation in scripture. Mm. So mm. so listen, I, I realize myself and Lance can talk till the cows come home, and and often we do. Uh, every now and again, I'll give him a phone call. I'm sure he just puts his hands in his head because he knows it's going to be a while. Um, uh, because the, because we can talk and because uh, things of the church are, 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 are things that, that really fire both of us up. Um, but, but, but I want to give you the primary text so that you can have them in front of you. You can write them down and you can maybe reference them later or as we appeal to them as the conversation rolls out. Lance, when you think of elders, maybe sure. just three or four primary texts Good. that we might talk about through the next two hours. Good. First uh, Timothy chapter 3. 1 through 7, which is the passage I have open right in front of me. Uh, Titus chapter 1, and there's a lot of similarity between 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Uh, that's that's Paul. I would also take you to Acts 20 in terms of his definition of a servant of the church. Great definition for, for an elder or a deacon. Uh, so Acts 20 is helpful. The other passage would be Peter. So here mm. you've got Paul speaking about elders. You've also got Peter in 1 Peter 5 speaking about elders, who they are in terms of character, how they are to function, how they're not to function, mm. and the necessary task of of pursuing humility as a leader, uh, highlighted particularly in Peter's account in 1 mm. Peter 5. So so those would be kind of my go-to passages. Oh, excellent. Uh, I mean, even as you as you speak about these passages, these are really 
large the chapters of God's word. In actual fact, one could say that the pastoral epistles provide so much fodder in terms of what elders look like, what yeah. they do, how they to interact. As as Paul speaks to his protege Timothy, who has been appointed in Ephesus, and his protege Titus, who's been appointed in Crete, in order to oversee those those works. But there, there, there's so much there's so much biblical information in terms of who elders are, what they look like mm. in that 1 Timothy 3 passage and that Titus 1 passage, and then what they do mm. in the Acts 20 passage, the 1 Peter 5 passage, and many other passages, mm. that there really shouldn't be so much confusion, uh, biblical confusion, in terms of the appropriateness of appointing a plurality of elders. Yeah. And yet there is. Yeah. Why? I mean, you've spoken about the history, but, but why in the present is there, is there some pushback? Um, to a plurality yeah, of question, elders. Mark. I think I think two hundred years doing it a particular way in a mindset in in the local church of this is the way we've done it. What are you saying about the model we've done for so long? Uh, is a factor, um, and and also there's there's the caution. Okay, if we congregational churches, mm. and, and you're saying appoint elders that are to lead. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if we want to go there because it kind of m- Moves against congregationalism as opposed to elders having a, having a very clear definition of what they do. Deacons, and it's interesting, deacons scripturally, there are two words. Two times you read of what deacons do. They serve and they serve well. That's it. So, so G- deacons, what does the local church need you to do becomes the mandate for a deacon. And, and then congregationalism in terms of appointing good elders, good deacons that serve the local church well is crucial. How we've got it wrong, Mark, you know, you, you'd be going back to, into history and and perhaps where, where Paul says to Titus, appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Maybe there were more places that need to be reached in with the gospel such that the elders were not spread in a plurality, but individually. Mm leading to this one pastor few deacons concept that kind of has become the norm that is that is in in my reading of the new testament certainly uh not the way it should be done in other words you, you you've been quite charitable and, and and i like that i i hadn't really thought about that uh, you have these churches in crete and we're referring of course to titus chapter one from verse five onwards you have these churches in crete um Paul has now sent Titus to Crete and he commands him that he needs to go and appoint elders mm. um, and, and, and complete what was left undone and, and elders, plural, in every town. Mm. So, so multiple towns need multiple elders. The, 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 text, the text isn't complex to understand. But what you're saying is, uh, you know, when the church starts and there's this this kind of like this bush fire that's mm-hmm. just going out and going out really, really quickly. When the when the church starts, you, you're sending what men you have mm-hmm. to what places you mm-hmm. can get to because the gospel needs mm-hmm. to go out. People mm-hmm. need to hear mm-hmm. the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so the best of men are being flung out into the world and yeah. are establishing these local churches. Um, but even as they're doing that, we mustn't lo- lose sight of this uh, of the fact that these local churches need to be served well by leaders, and those leaders need to be plural, according yeah. to the apostle yeah. Paul. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with him. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 so maybe as as you have very 
quick growth in a national church you could expect to have um, maybe not a lot of elders but but as those churches begin to be established what you should be seeing is the appointing of elders even as we have been instructed by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit helpful Mark, I think what has been the challenge, and hence the, the, the title that I thought might be good, uh, Good Elders, Rarer to Find Than Hen's Teeth, um, because there is a thinking or a, an approach, certainly in our church in, churches in South Africa, of, of we don't have a bunch of guys available to to see as good elders. Where are we going to get them from? And the mentality of either import or pray for new families and one of the, the, the men may well be a good elder, rather than the necessary task that is given to every Christian, and I'm not going every church or even every eldership, mm. every Christian to make disciples. Uh, thus, you don't look to import, you look to grow. Mm. As, as, as South African Christian entrepreneurs, we should be saying, how do we grow good disciples of Jesus Christ, some of which may become good elders, others may become good deacons, as opposed to, oh Lord, give me good elders. No, no, I have given you good elders. You just need to do the work I've told you to do and they will appear, uh, I think is, is the approach. Well, I, 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 love this, I love this conversation. I have no doubt that we are going to extend it uh, fairly soon. I just want to bring in a couple of comments that have been mm. made uh, online. Firstly, Benny Mayer is on the app. Do you know, Benny, I didn't even know that we had an app. So thanks for pointing that out. I will go and investigate that and find out a little bit more about that. But uh, I really appreciate uh, the interaction on WhatsApp uh, from Benny. Um, Juan, who you and I know well, uh, Juan asked the question, how would a plurality of elders look or function in a congregational governed church? Now, that is a great question. You've started us down the track of the recognition of elders, like, are elders grown or are elders imported? I want us to get there, Lance. I, I mean, I really sure. do. But can we just put that on pause? Mm. Because we really were talking about the relationship of this plurality of elders to to this congregational yeah. government and uh, the autonomy of the local church. I, I, I'd like us just to flesh out very briefly. Um, how would this plurality of elder leaders function in the con- context of a congregational church? Good. So, where 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 uh, Paul tells Titus appoint elders in every city, we I would read that as the apostle Paul giving the junior growing um, elder evangelist Titus a very clear instruction. This is what you to do. That is, I'm reading. You kickstart the process of churches with good eldership. How does it happen once they have good elders? Ideally, you've got a church, and the church, we understand from from various passages of Scripture, and we can walk through those. Act 6 would be a good one to go to. The church looks for and prays for good leaders. Mm. And through a process of what we would think is nomination and appointment, uh, through some democratic process. And, And when I say democratic, I mean... Theocratic that God by his Holy Spirit lives in every believer and therefore it is the right and responsibility to seek God's face and say Lord 
who would you have us appoint as elders in this church? Mm. So, so, so through a process, and, and you can't overrule that process either by yes, but, you know, there's a better method. When you look at Scripture, Scripture is very clear in terms of uh, what that looks like. You, you, you give us men, Acts 6, and, and they, they give these guys t- to the apostles. They lay their hands on them and commit them to God. So, so it's not the apostles who even appoint the, the, what we think of proto-deacons in, in Acts 6. Uh, it's, it's the congregation. So, so I, don't, I don't go with an apostolic or an eldership appointment of elders outside of a congregation. There's a necessary task given to elders to shepherd, to grow the flock, to seek the fruit of that um, in terms of godly men, women, children, families, some of which would serve in various capacities. So so for me, the kickstart process happens in Titus. The continuation of that happens, as you see in Acts 6 and other passages, in terms of congregation, praying, seeking God's face, being led by the Holy Spirit, in terms of nomination and appointing elders and deacons. So now, now you have an elder. Mm. What does he do? And Scripture is very clear. Well, now you have an elders. Okay, yes. <laughs> what do yes, they do? <laughs> yes, absolutely, Mark. Ideally, you don't have one. You have another one added to your pastor, or uh, another three added and to maybe, your And maybe just hit the yeah. pause button for just one second sure. to put in. Sure. That if there is only one elder, I, I certainly, and I don't think you either, uh, would advocate for a, a like a strong man, single elder approach. If there's only one elder, then you have a governance problem that probably is best addressed by having a temporary steering committee Correct. until such time as you have a plurality, which is two or more. Correct. 100% yeah. okay, mock, cool. Yeah. Just, 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 just making that yeah, point in yeah. case there was confusion. <laughs> and, and let me just say that the, the tasks given to elders uh, are very clear from Scripture. You, you, you cannot scripturally think that you can customize what you do as an elder. And uh, from um, the trellis and the vine, they've got three very helpful topics yes. in terms of what they do. And great character, great, great book by yeah, the way. Trellis the trellis and the vine, vine. Colin Marshall, Tony Payne, Tony Payne yes. from the Australian uh, Evangelical Anglicans in, the, in, the, in Australia. Three character, three aspects in terms of 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 the basics. Uh, what are elders to do? Character, First Timothy three, and First Timothy three primarily addresses, as does Titus 1, the character of an elder. And Mark, we don't want to skip over this point. uh, point. An elder is not primarily appointed by what he can do. He's primarily appointed by who he is in his character. You can say that again. That is a quotable (laughs) quote. So so Mark, the character is crucial. So in in the process of nomination and pre-appointment, the elder elders need to be going through First Timothy 3, Titus 1 list to say, does he match up scripturally to the character that is given? It's, and it's not a, oh, he got, he got 5 out of 10, you know, this may go either way, or 7 out of 10, you know, and we'll just overlook the fact that he has two wives. <laughs> it's very clear. So character is the, the number one uh, task. Number two, convictions. Uh, Titus 1 verse 9 is does he have a biblical knowledge 
is there a, an app to teach you know first uh, timothy 416 is is there does he know what the gospel is and does he know how to proclaim the gospel and defend against that which is not gospel so character convictions and lastly competencies and that would speak to a skill set that he's able to teach that he's able to shepherd and he's able to lead mm. so first timothy 517 speaks of elders that rule and we would see that as a necessary competency for for a good elder so those three c's character convictions competencies i think is really helpful from the trellis and the vine excellent i mean really helpful so in the context of the congregation now you have these leaders what do they actually functionally do you you you've you you've de- you've described how they are appointed you've described their character their competencies um and their i'm pulling a the, uh, the middle c the conviction their their convictions yeah, yeah. um uh, but functionally what do they do and we we talk about uh, elders we talk about shepherds mm. we talk about um uh, overseers yeah. um fun- functionally what does it look like what what are these men actually doing day to day in the life of the church good so so let's just take those one by one and let's let's begin with shepherd which i think is the primary one uh old testament you guys are really crummy shepherds i'm going to come and shepherd my sheep says says the old testament prophet by the holy spirit the fulfillment is the person of christ who calls himself the good shepherd uh who calls his sheep by his voice so so the the primary new testament attribute of the good shepherd is a shepherd that leads his sheep gently warmly and with his voice now now think about that that has to do with um tending the flock in the spirit and the the gifts of the spirit so or the the characteristics of the spirit love joy peace patience those are exemplary in this individual in the way he deals with people uh, as opposed to harshness I'm going to drive the sheep from the back and they better listen to me because I'm the shepherd is not the way Christ leads his flock mm. um, so get, get, get the second bit shepherding tending caring for looking after um, there's a warmth and a an enticement by the gospel to a characteristic uh, that is a, that is notable in Christ. The second one is he he calls and leads the sheep with his voice. So, being able to teach and being able to um, preach. So, if you compare the First Timothy three list of characteristics for elders with that of deacons. The only competency that the elder needs in First Timothy 3 is able to teach, which is not there for deacons. Mm. That means that he's not only able to care for, he's able to grow by saying, this is what God has said. Therefore, this is what we must do. And he's not saying, guys, you do this and I'm going to do something else. He's going to show by his lifestyle that that he is holding to the things he teaches as well so there's no distinction between that which he says and that which he is and and does in his in his home and family um so so caring teaching preaching 
and uh, I could go on. There's probably about eight to to ten things that I found through the New Testament that, in terms of, you know, laying hands on. <laughs> uh, anyone sick, let him call the elders. Doesn't say call the executive. Doesn't say call the deacons. Let him call the elders. Uh, they'll come and, and, and ask the question, is there any reason, you know, have you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Are you aware of any sin issue going on here? That's an elder's task in terms of caring, but it's but it's also linked to um, proclaiming that which God has given between Genesis 1 and Revelation 22 as the truth of which Christ is the epitome of that. Mm. Uh, so caring, proclaiming, Defending would be the other one, and that's e- both a tending thing and a preaching thing. I'm going to care for the flock, and I'm going to protect the flock from mm. the wolves, but I'm also going to teach you what is true, and I'm going to teach you what is not true, so you're not misled. And, and in a congregational church, this is imperative because they call to nominate and appoint and pray for good elders. So it's not just elders that need to know these things. It's the congregation members. Every Christian needs to know, you know, who are who are good elders or potential good yes. elders. So crucial aspects. Excellent. Uh, at Crystal Park, we have summarized the functional role of the elders within the context of the congregational principle as each member is to take part in the life of the church. But we recognize that God gifts his church with elders and they serve by managing and caretaking, overseeing, ordaining. Uh, and service includes ruling and teaching and preaching as well as exhorting and refuting and determining church policy. And as shepherds, they set the example for all to follow. And, and I, I I do think that we, we must be clear on what elders do do and what elders don't do and where their sphere of influence rests but i love the point that you have made lance in in actual fact almost like light bulbs have gone on in my head in terms of the importance of our members actually understanding all of these things so that when elders are elected or nominated um, uh, or recognized by the local church this happens um, by people who are informed Mm. you know when they say yay or nay Mm. they understand what they are saying yay or nay to Um, so so important that an informed congregation really becomes the bedrock upon which biblical leadership can can rise and can flourish and can serve the people well point very very well made and again, we're coming to the conversation uh, that, that that you had initiated in terms of how do we go about the process of recognizing these elders that are scarcer than hen's teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, um, Teresa, who's a long-time listener, I, we need a little jingle like a like a drum roll. <laughs> um, Teresa, who's a long-time listener, uh, just asks the question: um, can, can we just beyond the plurality factor? Can we just Please touch on the rest of the qualifications. So, just very briefly, um, we, we we spoke about that uh, um, uh, before competency. We spoke about the character of the man. So, just very mm, briefly, w- sure. what is an elder in terms of his character? Good. So, First Timothy three, Titus one would be the the primary passages in terms of character, and and let me read First Timothy three mm. because I think it's really good for us to be reminded and have it in my, in our minds as to what we're speaking about. If anyone aspires to the office, so first characteristic of a potential elder is there's a desire for this man 
to be an elder. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, there's, there's, a, there's a word, mm-hmm. uh, episcopos, somebody who looks out over the sheep, who scopes out over an overseer. He and and may, maybe an just to be clear that episcopos isn't just a fancy English word oh, that yeah, nobody yeah. uses. Um, Lawrence is speaking Sorry. in the language of angels, uh, Greek right now. <laughs> so, episcopos well, let's hope would be... I have love besides the language of angels. <laughs> <laughs> an overseer, he desires a noble task, and so note uh, being and the desire to be an elder is a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, or given to much wine, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so, the, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a sneer of the devil. Now, mark that last section. He must be well thought of by outsiders. Mm often becomes the primary reason a congregation nominates an individual. He's well thought of hmm. to the neglect of all the other aspects in the Standing in business, drives correct. a fancy car, correct. can make this big is, decisions. Yeah, correct. This is the right guy. And we're <laughs> going to disregard all the rest of the list to your detriment. Mm. When in actual fact the the list is written the opposite way around, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, that final characteristic yeah. in terms of having a good relationship with others really flows from that very first characteristic which was read, which is the overseer therefore must be above reproach. Yeah. Other translations would say blameless. That yeah. that becomes really the overarching qualification for these men that we would call um, overseers uh, that would lead the church as under shepherds of the great shepherd Jesus Christ who is Lord and Savior um, the, this idea of blamelessness not perfection mm. but but in terms of if you had to throw mud at him nothing would stick an mm. accusation wouldn't stick against yeah. the man yeah. um, not perfection because we don't teach yeah. sinless perfection on this side of glory but his life journey is of such a stage in terms of progressive sanctification mm-hmm. that he's leading the kind of life where he can turn to the flock and say follow me even yeah. as I follow Christ yeah. Yeah, just, um, uh, just in terms of this plural nature um, of eldership in terms of these character qualifications of eldership in terms of uh, this need for them to have deep convictions of the faith uh, in terms of these competencies in terms of the ability to teach um Lance this sounds impossible <laughs> where on earth could you find men like this now before you answer that is what the question uh, that was what we started about quarter of an hour ago we are going to come back to that um, uh, in the second part of the show and just talk about how elders are raised up the discipleship Mm. process the recognition process Um, um, but one can understand why you would make the statement good elders rarer than hen's teeth Mm. because honestly who can find men like this Mm. Uh, I mean this is just impossible and yet with God all things are possible we're coming up for 10 o'clock we're going to take a a short musical interlude we are going to be listening to Yahweh by 
Roche. And um, when we come back, we will continue the conversation in terms of biblical leadership of our churches. Equivalent, um, kind of like just just people who sit in a in a meeting and and nod their head, and in actual fact, have no passion for God's bride, the church, or for God's people um, that they have been entrusted mm. to serve. Mm. Um, why is it that we appoint sometimes um, people who are less than good to this role? Yeah, Mark, I think often there's the vacuum, and as we know from from science, uh, from nature, the vacuum always gets filled, and therefore, uh, you know, it can be filled with uh, people who are appointed as elders that either don't meet the qualification or the characteristics, and lastly, the competencies. Um, you, you touched on just a moment ago, to Mark, uh, you know, what do you do if you've just got one pastor, one elder in a local church? And you also used the phrase phone a friend. Now, that's very helpful because that's exactly what I would have answered. Because when when you've got a, a leadership crisis or a vacuum of a, a plurality of eldership, let me put it that way, the phone a friend option is always good. Uh, we've got a term for it. We call it a moderator. It's kind of a historic term. But, but it really is a, a temporary external elder that can be loaned to you from another church that have either a, a, a glut or a, 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 an oversupply. There's never a say, glut of elders. Never a glut. <laughs> but but say, maybe a kingdom heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could just say, here, here he is, he's on loan to you for a period uh, and and that immediately gives a plurality of eldership with a view to, because it's external temporary elder, with a view to growing and discipling potential elders, some of which will be appointed as and hopefully be good elders, such that your your on loan elder can go back home. Uh, that is that is a good process to follow. Yep. You know, I, I can give an example, a, a real-life example. Oh, you're a real-life example of that. Mm. Uh, I know that you're currently moderating um, at Grace Baptist Church in Kempton Park. That's right. Good church, good, good church. friends. Good uh, I have no doubt that one or two of you are listening in even, even today, and good elders. And I praise the Lord for the yeah. witness of that church in, in Kempton. Um, we, we have a sister church down the road from us, uh, Northmead Baptist Church. Um, we 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 love them. They're hey eight, Jason. J- hey Jason, uh, eight kilometers down the road, they went through a period mm. where uh, where they didn't have a plurality of leadership, um, and so we at the time probably had about five elders, um, and we went to our elders and said, "Well, brothers, um, there's a church which, for the sake of the kingdom, uh, needs some help. Um, would one of us be willing to go there um, and?" Th- and throw ourselves behind that work for as long as it takes um, that God might be glorified. And one of our number, Craig Dadu, um, said that he'd be willing to go. And uh, and so Craig, in agreement between the two churches, went to serve uh, at six months periods of time. So every six months went back to the church, uh, made sure that the church was on board with him even being there. Um, and at the end of the process, as Jason was recognized as a pastor of that church and as the second elder was recognized at that church, um, 
uh, Craig made the decision to come back to Crystal Park Baptist Church and at that stage he, he could have also have stayed at Northmead um, you know those were the decisions mm. that he had to wrestle with and that both churches had to um, had to shepherd him through um, but but in the end it, it really amounts to, to what you're talking about that that this is a kingdom work and even though we are autonomous churches um, we are still interdependent on one another we're not independent like in like like as in we have no interaction with the outside world the people from this church are going to be the only ones in heaven (laughs) (laughs) yeah no we we, we love one another and so and so when there are these kinds of issues uh, you know short of just having a steering committee in the local church one of the options that should be available to us is phone a friend which maybe highlights, Lance, just how silly our autonomy sometimes gets in that we don't reach out to the churches in our city. We don't even know who the pastors of like-minded ilk might be in our city, which is something that, that that we really do uh, as as churches need to need to work on. Yeah. Maybe beyond the ambit of this particular conversation. Mark, yeah, sure. May, you, you touch on that, and it, it raises an issue we spoke about in the car. Uh, in terms of um, different models of church leadership. So certainly my reading of the New Testament is there is there is one model of, of church leadership. Yes. It looks like plurality of elders and it looks like deacons. Yes. That's it. This is the type of individuals and this is the type of individuals. But how they relate, how... What about the other models? Let me say... It's crucial for us to understand there is no perfect model because we are imperfect sinners saved by grace. Draw, draw, draw that out because so, I, I would look at God's word the same as you. Yeah. Um, in fact, as you've been talking, I just reminded how like-minded we are. I mean, we open God's word. We see a, a plurality of biblical elders. Uh, I would say, well, that's the model that yeah. needs to be in place. Good. That's what that's the banner that we're going to fly. Yeah. And yet, it so often doesn't work. It so often yeah. ends up in tears. You know, the elephants meet in the bush and bang heads <laughs> rather than walk in a line. Um, and 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 you're making the point that that isn't the model's fault. That is the correct. So so the unbiblical models of church leadership. You'll see them, dime a dozen, to use an American phrase. There's lots of them. There is one biblical model of biblical leadership. It looks like this, plurality of elders and, and deacons. Don't, th- don't throw stones against the model when it doesn't work. None of the models are going to work because, guess what? You're electing sinful human beings to positions of leadership. And guess what? They're still dealing with sin issues as, as they go. Sanctification is a group project, you know, it's, mm. it's going to take time. They're not perfect. They're going to mess up. Sanctification is a group project and so is radio. <laughs> and I just want to say thanks to Ishwar as well as Petula um, who have uh, sent in comments. Uh, Petula says that she loves this topic and that they are struggling uh, to get this right in the church today and that it needs to be taught uh, in these days. You're so right. It, it does need to be taught. In fact, these things must be taught. That's why mm. we need mm. elders, um, that, that that we might be taught. And, and Petula, I'm remembered of the Great Commission. We, we often, when we think of the Great Commission, the end of the book of Matthew, um, we think of it in terms of the going missions because that's, that's most often how, how we preach it. Uh, we don't preach it on make disciples, which is 
because I think where our conversation is going to go yeah. um, uh, shortly. Um, but really, make disciples, baptizing them. That's mm. why I'm a Baptist. Praise the Lord. And teaching mm. them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teaching needs to be needs to be invested in in how we do this Christian life it, it needs to be part and parcel of everything that we do and that's why we need elders mm. that churches might be well taught well grounded mm. the pillar and truth I was reading yesterday um, from the book of Timothy the pillar and truth the the buttress um, a, a shining example which points to the person of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs to see him Ishwa Ishwa asked a question, uh, and maybe you can just answer this briefly. You actually gave something of an answer uh, just now. Is there a difference between elders and pastors? Great question, Ishwa. Actually, that is a fabulous question. The second part of the question is a conjunction. And what about the fivefold ministry? Mm. So what I'm going to do is uh, answer the first one because I, I, I really, I really think we need to interact. Is there a difference between elders and pastors? If so what and then uh, if you can just make a comment on the fivefold ministry good so biblically we have five english words that derive from three new testament greek words uh and and the five english words are sh- so that pastors and elders and overseers and bishops and shepherds are completely those terms are interchangeable mm. And, and derive of three Greek words, so some have one Greek word as two English words in two cases. Those terms are completely interchangeable. So Acts 20 uses all three terms together. First Peter 5 has all three Greek words in the same passage, showing that when you speak to elders, you, you're talking about shepherds, you're talking about overseers, you're talking about pastors, you're talking about bishops. We don't use that term too much, except in certain circles. But but it is one office, mm. so so three different words, and and let's go to pastor and elder. And often local churches make a distinction between he's the pastor in terms of the called elder, and these are the elders in terms of the appointed elders. And let me make that distinction: sure. called, uh, paid on the one hand versus called unpaid on the other and in our local colloquialism we generally call the called paid guy a pastor and the called non-paid elders elders now that's that's a curious thing scripture knows nothing of that distinction so Shall we come to the first Peter five? Well, uh, well, uh, well let, let, let me just jump in here. Um, Glenn Williams, another long-time listener. Hey, Glenn. Um, Glenn Williams makes the point, and he's quoting Alexander Strach, who wrote uh, an excellent book, Biblical Elders, uh, Biblical Eldership. Um, I've actually already put it into the show notes. Um, it's in the comments, along with Nine Marks Journals uh, on Elders. I've, I've put links to those um, excellent resources, as well as a link to the Trellis and the Vine, which, which rather than in terms of the the, the go-to book on biblical leadership, I'd say is the go-to book in terms of how church 
works functionally in terms of order and relationally um, but an excellent excellent book Glenn makes the point we Christians today however are so accustomed to speaking of the pastor that we do not stop to realize that the New Testament does not um, Glenn making the point that the Bible uses three interchangeable words to refer to the men who serve in this capacity elder overseer and pastor and that the differences which is what we've drawn out in the show um, show um, a ministerial function rather than differing levels of authority. Yeah. One way that we as a church um, try and help the flock to understand this is if I get referred to as a pastor, I will refer to all the elders yeah. as pastors yeah. um, in so that I'm conversation or, or, or in a sermon or, or from the front, which means that nine times out of ten I'm describing myself as Elder Mark and the elders of the church. If I refer to myself as Pastor Mark, then I'm going to refer to the pastors of the church. Mm. Also, don't often refer to myself as Episcopos Mark or, or Bishop Mark, Bishop Mark. <laughs> but, um, but, but yes uh, uh, just those words are interchangeable and therefore refer to an office um, but, but explain nuances in terms of function mm. um, functional difference in terms of what elders, pastors um, overseers do um, excellent question Ishwad uh, and then just in terms of the fivefold ministry that's coming from Ephesians chapter 4 um, in Ephesians chapter 4, we read that he himself, speaking of Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Um, I would just make the point that um, I, I know we talk about the fivefold ministry and that's so entrenched in terms of how we think and, and what we say. Um, but really, it's talking about four, it's really fourfold in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, apostles and prophets and then evangelists and that pastor teaches really is a hyphenated word uh, in in terms of the best translation of that sentence it should be pastor teachers mm-hmm. um, and so it really should be fourfold and then Paul himself in Ephesians chapter 2 very helpfully defines um, how the apostles and prophets fit into the outworking and the building up of the church towards the full man. And in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 he says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And so the apostles and the prophets is a foundational ministry. Uh, We see that just so excellently uh, laid down um, in the work of Paul and his fellow apostles. Um, but the ongoing work of the church would be the evangelists and the pastor teachers. Um, great points, uh, Ishwa. Um, great questions. Thank you so much for, for writing them in. Um, you might, as we are talking, by the way, listener, have a question, and now you're wondering how to ask it, and you're realizing you've only got 30 minutes to do it, and so you, you want to get them in now. Um, well, again, we are inviting you to join the conversation. So as we speak and engage, then send through questions and comments that you have on your mind um, Facebook on Radio uh, Consul Radio Pulpit Twitter at 657am on WhatsApp get those voice notes rolling in 082-657-2729 I know Lance you've been getting a couple of questions on your own WhatsApp do you want to maybe go through one or two sure, of sure. them maybe just to come back to the previous question uh, in terms of the fivefold ministry and that's a whole big topic it might be good to deal with that as a separate separate subject sometime Mark. Sure. but certainly to pick up from verse 12 of what follows from Ephesians 4.11 to equip the saints for work of ministry so the purpose of these individuals that God gives is so that 
the body of Christ, and that's the phrase used for building up of the body of Christ, mm. local church is equipped. So no matter what gift God gives, one point, the equipping of the body of the church. To come back to the most perhaps contentious aspect in terms of the apostles, are they still around today? First Peter 5, which I have already referenced, is very helpful. And First Peter 5, which we've seen, addresses the subject of elders. Here's Peter, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. He doesn't wave the flag of apostle. Mm. He doesn't say, I'm a disciple of Christ. He identifies himself in the later part of his life, we suspect, as an elder, which indicates not just he is coming alongside of this group of elders that he's speaking to, and, and there is an identification there, but there's a movement also away from the apostles, disciples who became apostles, who are passing away. Who picks up the mantle now? The elders. Mm. It's a fascinating insight in terms of First Peter five one that he does not identify as an apostle or a disciple of Christ in this passage, but as a fellow elder, meaning there is a shift I see throughout the New Testament away from the apostles who are appointed by Christ who are passing away. Who picks up the mantle? The elders in terms of local church. You know, uh, when you think of uh, books of the Bible and when you think of the the later the reading and how those apostles identify themselves, I, I can't help but think of John who writes really toward the very close of the canon, right at the very end. And he uses the same kind of language that... Um, that uh, that Peter has used and so uh, in 2 John he opens the book by saying the elder the presbyteros it's yeah. the same Greek word that uh, that uh, Peter has used and that we are really talking about and then in 3 John again the elder um, as opposed to the apostle which he very well could have leaned on yeah. but as you get to the close of the canon you find these apostles talking of themselves um, as elders yeah. Um, yeah, great Lance um, Lance before the break and can you believe it's been half an hour since the break and we still haven't gotten back to the topic but before the break we, we were talking about um, elders good elders being scarce in hen's teeth mm. and, and you made the point well um, you know if we are to raise up elders in our churches if they are to be good elders mm. if they're to be well recognized and if they're to serve well then we need to go through some kind of process and um, you were leaning toward uh, a discipleship process and then we kind of started to engage on a number of questions that were rolling in uh, I'd like us to bring the conversation back there because I, I do think that this is this is really the guts of uh, of of how you presented what you wanted yeah. to talk about today to me um, how how do we identify how do we go about recognizing and, and by that I'm not talking about a congregational meeting I'm, I'm talking about how do we actually put men forward who can serve in this biblical leadership role in our local churches how does this process happen mm. how do we how do we where do we even get started mm. I, I mean I actually have no doubt that we have pastors that are are listening um, on um, such as uh, and and members that are listening on that are going through this process and mm. thinking through this process. Um, Vim from Grace Baptist Church, for exa example, asked the question: Must the elders, presbyteros, older man, mm. um, must they be old guys? 
Um, how do we go about the, the process of, of recognizing who can serve as an elder and how do you go through the process mm. of discipling people toward this functional task? Certainly there's a similarity in English between elder and older. Mm. And uh, that's inferred in First Peter 5 as well. You who are younger, be submissive to the elders, mm, mm. implying either an age thing or a maturity thing. Mm. Now, it's sometimes the case where you get an incredibly mature believer in Jesus Christ who who is recognized by a local church as, as exemplary, both in terms of his character and in terms of his teaching, that is appointed as an elder. That's not, that's not um, uncommon, but it is generally the case that the guys who have been walking with the Lord for years, there is a maturity in Christ, there is a lifestyle, the characteristics, mm. uh, those, those become entrenched. Mm. So generally, yes, elder is older, but not in every case. I, I love... I love what you brought out in terms of maturity as as opposed to just older. Um, And and that really is what we see in Scripture. These are men who can hold firm to the truths. They can teach them and they can defend against Mm. them. They are mature in lifestyle. They have children who are submissive. Uh, Their household is is in order. uh, the, the, these are these are men that have walked a journey um, that are in good reputation even with an outside world and they are recognized by the local church as being blameless I, I love that distinction in mm. terms of maturity where do you find these people good obviously God gifts the church with individuals as we've seen from Ephesians 4 uh, the mandate to the church I think is best encapsulated in the passage we've already read in Matthew 28 uh, nineteen twenty. In your going, therefore, make disciples. That's mm. that's how it should read. It's a mm. participle going. Mm. So, in your going, in the living of your life, make disciples. Says Jesus to his disciples. Thus, the primary mandate. Or let me put it this way: the failure of the twenty-first century church, and indeed the twentieth-century church, is is a failure of discipleship. You can actually just say that again because it is so, so true. I I think we have lost the belt or the bones of the man that keeps all the ministries that every local church is busy with together. And there's one thing we do. We make disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? By evangelism, by missions, by Bible study groups, by our giving. Everything unites under discipleship. Mm, mm. And when you lose discipleship, it becomes disjointed. So now we've got these ministries, and and we're not quite sure why we do these things, but they seem good, and we can find the grounding in Scripture. But the thing that holds it all together is discipleship. If you lose that, what are you doing? Mm. You, You are seeking to grow saints in godliness, but you're missing the banner that is given, mandated to the disciples of Christ by Christ that still pertains today to make disciples. Thus, how do you get good elders? How do you find and pray for good elders? By discipleship. Okay, so 
I mean, we've spoken about discipleship on the show, talk about discipleship with friends often. Um, it is a word that is very Christianized. Good. We all know the word, right? Yeah. Discipleship, disciple, you know, I must be a disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. Uh, we, we've got definitions yeah. of discipleship in the back of our head. What we're rubbish at is actually Defining. Being discipled okay. uh, or dis- the disciple making process. process. So, practically, mm. yeah, yeah. you're a pastor, you're at a church, whether it's an established church or a new church, and you recognize that you need a plurality. Uh, you recognize that you can't stand alone. Just like Titus and Crete, Paul is whispering in your ear, um, set in order the things that were begun, uh, appoint elders in every city. Mm. Um, you, you get that. What does that process look like practically um, help help a brother out that yeah. might be listening in that is convinced by the argument but now needs to practically start somewhere good so let me take you back to first Peter 5 sure and uh, verse 3 and, and there's three ways you 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 may not elder in in, in the definition um, not under compulsion not for shameful gain not domineering an elder who's a bully is is not a good elder. Pugnacious is the King James in oh, really? uh, in one Timothy <laughs> three. I love that word. Pugnacious, the bully. Sounds like my a dog. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But but not domineering over the, those in your charge. Verse three. But being examples to the flock. Now, when you think discipleship, I think that phrase. Mm. That is, you live your life in a particular way in front of believers mm. and so you hang out you have lots of coffee you have lots of conversation in different formats mm. being examples to the flock mm. that is sometimes it's a formal discipleship process but mostly it's informal mm. we're just going to hang out we're going to do life together and we are going to learn and grow from one another not just in terms of book chapter verse and text but application in your life how does mark do this he does it like this oh i get it now Mm. that that's missing and the reason why it's missing is because we we think as european christians and i'm white and i'm european historically but me in my small corner and you in yours Mm. that is ungodly and unbiblical it doesn't work like that so church is described as a family it is described as a body made up of members church is a community uh, and and really uh, discipleship happens within the context if i'm understanding you correctly of community we yeah. need to we need to commune with one yeah. another we need to be with one another yeah. I, I think of like right now at this moment the discipleship relationships that i have in my life um they, they would be the kinds of people that i'm really spending and investing time with um that that's a requirement it's one of the reasons why you should go to a church where you stay relatively close to because how else can you meet during the week how else can you exercise hospitality mm. how else can you carry one another's burdens or even know what one another's burdens are if you're commuting 50 kilometers once a week for an hour and a half on a sunday uh, to a church that does not a community make it might be a wonderful um preaching point um but but it is very difficult to be discipled in those contexts my wife and i um 20 years ago came to faith 
we were living about 40 kilometers from the church that we were nah maybe that's a bit far uh, we were living in Santon and the church that we were attending was in Midrand and uh, it didn't take very long couple of years before we realized either we needed to find another church or in our case sell our house and buy a house down the road from the church mm-hmm. so that we could be discipled mm-hmm. and th- that we could be friends and and love one another and and share with one another and exhort one another and encourage one another you can't be exhorted if nobody knows what to exhort you you can't be rebuked if no one knows what to rebuke you can't be challenged if no one knows what to challenge you need to be accountable to the church that you're in discipleship requires proximity and it requires time Mm -hmm. that's great but I have proximity and time with a number of people in my church that are never going to become elders Um, not because they necessarily disqualified but but either they are um, they they just don't have a heart for um, for the position uh, as we've gone through yeah. 1 Timothy 3 and we've gone through Titus 1, they either don't have a heart for the position or they, they don't have the ability to hold to the deep truths of the faith. And one of the things that we would need to advocate is is not just discipleship in terms of characteristics of lifestyle, but but elders need to be able to contend. They they need to be able to teach and they need yeah. to be able to, to defend. Um, what might that look like? How, how do you raise up those kinds of people in the context yeah. of a local church? You know, Acts 2, end of Acts 2, uh, the aspect of fellowship is crucial. And they were hanging out day by day. They, they just, <laughs> this is the Lawton paraphrase. Okay. Yeah, they, just, they just I actually like hung that. out that, as that believers yes. often because fellowship is not disconnected from discipleship. The two go together. So, hey Zach, come around and have a meal. Just come hang out. Let's let's eat together and chat and grow. Mm. As I said, sanctification is a group project. Therefore, discipleship is in the context of formal processes like Bible study groups and elders meetings or discipleship, but informal as well. Mm. So, so that person that's in your Bible study who may not make a great elder should be not only a great disciple of Christ, but a great discipler of others also. Mm. And I think we've missed the necessity of not just making disciples, but making disciples that make disciples. Mm. So I'm not I'm not making disciples. I'm making disciples of disciples is is a crucial mindset to have. We're not, not just going to plant a church. We're going to plant a church that plants churches. That's that's how we should be thinking, and yet very often we don't. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Yep. And there you've got four generations. Yep. You've, got, you've got Paul talking to Timothy, his protege, his, uh, his young mentor. You've got him saying to Timothy, you need to teach other men and those men need to teach others also so you've actually got you got a, a four generational chain that Paul is speaking about in that one verse what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also what, what we have kind of boiled down in our western church mindset is that church happens on a Sunday and really the only teaching that happens is a is a pulpit yeah. which talks to a people and the people stand up and they go home yeah. but in actual fact what needs to be happening is older men need to be teaching younger men older women need to be teaching younger women parents need to be teaching children uh, and 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 this teaching needs to be happening at e- in every sphere it needs to be inculcated into mm. what we do for mm. one another because mm. that's what community mm. is all about 
And if, if church would simply say, we do one thing. We make disciples of Jesus Christ and not just disciples, disciples of others. That Then every ministry fits underneath that. Mm. Mark, before we do plug out at whatever point in time, I would love to just help uh, read some resources in terms of books that if anyone's listening, they can find books sure. on this subject because I think it's such a crucial crucial. Crucial subject, uh, and maybe listener, we we've got about twenty minutes left in okay. terms of this conversation. Um, I've already I've already put some books into the comments on Facebook, Trellis and the Vine. I've put in two Nine Marks journals, um, and I've put in Alexander Struck's Biblical Eldership. Uh, we'll continue to put resources in those comments uh, so that you will know what's going on. I do want to just. Uh, uh, acknowledge Helga, uh, who is watching from Gauteng. She's on the live Facebook uh, feed. So great to have you with us. Uh, uh, Tiny asks a, a very good question um, that needs to be dealt with sensitively. He says, good morning. I'm listening to your talks of elders. I'm an elder at my church, but I'm not doing what one of the pastors said about uh, elders. I'm, I'm not near to what he says. Do I resign uh, from eldership Lance uh, just thoughts in terms of that question you know, that's that's kind of hard to answer obviously perhaps that pastor is holding up a standard to say this is where you need to be the standard is the perfection of Christ be holy as I am holy if he's doing that if he's doing that good luck because because you're not going to get there because you're not dead yet and you haven't had your sinful body resolved yet. That'll happen in death. So so if he's doing that, that's both helpful in terms of the standard, but not helpful. Uh, if he's saying, walk with me and let's grow together as a fellow elder, that's helpful. If he's pointing out an area of sin in your life, that can be confessed and, and left behind and moved on. And that's a process of discipleship and sanctification. That's good. But if he's saying either Christ or me, uh, that's not helpful. Look, I, I think Tiny might be listening into our conversation okay. yeah, and saying, hey, listen, yeah, I've heard what you guys are saying, mm. Mark and Lance. Um, I fall short of that. Okay. Um, I'm okay. not doing those kinds of things. Should I resign? Right. And maybe Tiny, just from my side, is uh, I, we don't know you. Um, don't know your context. Don't know what kind of uh, standard or what you're responding to. So I, I would say, I would say, don't resign off the back of listening to one radio um, one radio message. But I might say this, brother. Um, go and seek out a man whom you know is mature, mm. either within the context of your local congregation um, or, like we said in the past, phone a friend. Uh, reach out to somebody who can help you to evaluate whether or not you are qualified to serve the church of God where God has placed you. Um, and there's no shame in that. In actual fact, I think that would be wise. Um, if you are either underqualified, um, it might be that what you need is some is a bit of training, uh, a couple of pointers, uh, maybe some understanding of theology um, or uh, some discipleship in terms of life. Um, and you're not so much disqualified from the work, um, but you just need to sharpen your pencil, so mm. to speak. Um, it might be that you are disqualified, in which case, you know, th this might be God's grace to you, helping you to understand that, in which case, yes, you, you ought to step down. 
but but I wouldn't do it so quickly that uh, you leave the church that you are currently serving in a speed wobble. Um, I, I would reach out either to the pastor uh, or to a fellow elder or to a mature member in the church um, or phone a friend from outside of the church. And by friend, I don't necessarily mean you need to have a friend that understands these things. You, you might want to phone uh, someone from a, a neighboring church where you know there are mature elders who can help you to work through some of the things that you're struggling with or that you have just identified um, yeah, and, and I hope that that's an encouragement to you um, I, I'm just reminded how gentle Jesus was um, mm. with with even with sinners um, you know come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest um, I, I don't want to put a yoke of uh, of burden on you or, or, or uh, discourage you uh, from a good work um, uh, I, I would I would encourage you to reach out to somebody who can love on you uh, and can walk a path with you uh, Davi uh, he is a pastor watching from Germany uh, saying amen to all you saying Davi it is so good to have you with us um, got a couple of friends now in Europe that are listening in I imagine that Roland Eskenazi who is currently visiting South Africa um, who normally listens in each and every week um, may be listening in down in Cape Town if you are Roland uh, really good to have you with us. Um, but Davi, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Brother, uh, just share a couple of practical tips in terms of w- what do elders need to actually know? And I- I'm thinking of this question from Tiny, and, mm. I'm, and I'm wanting to marry it mm. to to this conversation that we're having in terms of discipleship. Discipleship, as you made the point very, very well, happens within the context and in the framework of life. Mm. Um, And and I I mean, I think of uh, our first elders that we appointed. Charles Farrell moved from Midrand Chapel, where I was sent from, uh, to Crystal Park. And every night for two years, we went walking around the suburb together, talking about the church and talking about life um, Mm. before he was appointed as an elder. Um, Gideon and Penny, who served next to me as an associate for many, many years and is now serving as a pastor at Florida Baptist Church, he lived in my house for the first six months mm. when he came to Crystal Park. Uh, we, we ate together every night and, and talked through these things. Um, and he had a he had a systematic theology degree from Christ Seminary, um, but we waited for at least a year, maybe even a little bit longer before recognizing him as an elder. And so too the process has been for each of the 10 men that have come into the eldership at Crystal Park Baptist Church over the last 10 years. What are some of the practical things that elders in your estimation need to know mm. um, or at least should aspire to know mm. uh, and let's face it every context is different uh, and every church is different but what are some of the things that you would encourage um, elder, a pastor to work through with potential men or, or elders to work through together or potential men to work through together um, as they aspire mm. uh, to this most noble mm. office particularly the, the pastoral epistles Timothy 1 and 2, Titus, very helpful in answering the subject. Uh, and I would say it's both leaving behind. So the passage, watch your life and doctrine closely. Um, you, your life and the habits you have can draw you away from Christ. Yeah. So, so, so you're going to be not just scoping out over the sheep you're going to be scoping out over your own practices as an individual and and therefore the process of sanctification doesn't just happen 
for those who are not elders, there's an, a necessary eldership process in terms of watching what you are doing and what you're holding. What's your life and what's your doctrine? Uh, did the, the the teaching, the, the body of divinity that we hold to, there should be a growing deeper in the truths head, in the application heart, and in the doing of God's mm. divinity. Who he is apprehended, lived out uh, practically in terms of holding these things and valuing and treasuring them, and, and then the, the play out. Because when your life is being changed by the person of Christ, he doesn't just change your head in the way you think. He, he doesn't just help you think God's thoughts after him. He helps you live in a particular way. And so there's a, a heart and a hands application. So your elders should be growing older in the things of the faith, such that they are not only watching their own lives by how they are growing, but when people come and say, I have this problem, they can say, man, I was just reading about that the, you know, a few days ago. Let me, let me show you where, where I believe God is, is helping me in this area of my life. So, so there's an application in terms of the play out, the discipleship process. So yeah, what should elders be doing? They should be watching out their own, own selves because if you don't watch yourself, you disqualify yourself from being an elder. Um, by perpetual sin, and I would take you to Hebrews twelve one and two, um, and and you're watching your doctrine. Uh, I am amazed how easy it seems that the evil one trips up what seem to be good elders with the teaching of demons. Is the phrase. And before you know it, they head into the weeds doctrinally and they lead a church into the weeds after them. The corrective for elders that go wrong are fellow elders mm. and also a congregational uh, um, accountability uh, in terms of elders are accountable to those that appointed them to shepherd well. And at some points, the, 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 those in the congregation can say, we are concerned about the way you're shepherding. That's a good, helpful process. So yeah, I would highlight those two things, Mark. Watch your life and watch your doctrine um, as, as essential aspects of, of growing in terms of being good elders. Juan, uh, again, asks... Hey, Juan, how's it, Brad? <laughs> asks a great question. I, I mean, really, this is great. Do we wait for the congregation to nominate elders before we develop leaders or do we have a training process for elders I, I, th that is a that is a magnificent yeah. question because it really plays into this discipleship process mm. that you've been talking to uh, I, I also would like to um, have a have a say uh, on that but uh, yeah Lance uh, your kind of closing thoughts as, as you talk to that to that so um, in, in the passage that deals with first Timothy 3 um, which first speak to elders and their characteristics, uh, then to deacons. 
uh, verse 10 of First Timothy 3, and let them also be tested first, mm. implies deacons should be tested, but also elders should be tested first. Oh, it's good first. for the goose, it's good for the gander. Great, great. <laughs> How are you growing deacons if your elders are not being tested first? Yes. So, so there is a necessary process of testing, uh, and that can be both formal and informal. Uh, it seems like he he is really concerned about the flock. He's noticed somebody's not not been at church or you know disconnected from the body of Christ for for a few weeks. What's going on? You you watching out in terms of individuals that seem to have an eldership, shepherding, teaching aspect to the to the to the the concern. And so you are testing. You kind of. My feelers are all are always waving in the wind in terms of looking out for good leaders. Yes, and and so looking out for good leaders. Yeah, so yeah. your feelers are always in the wind. You're always looking for good leaders yeah. as you go about this process yeah, of discipleship, yeah. and and so there is a discipleship process that is both formal and informal, mm. from which you kind of get an inkling unscriptural phrase but you kind of get an inkling that this may be a good elder or a good deacon and the testing process then can ensue in various ways might I also just add that by the time you get to bringing a name before the church you have every confidence that the church is going to recognize this person because this person has preached this person has led Bible studies this person has been shepherding the flock as as part and process of who they are in Christ. They, they're gifted in this way. All, all that you're really doing when you bring a name, a, a formal nomination to the church, uh, is, is asking the church to ratify the giftedness that each and every one of us have observed. Now, obviously that becomes a little bit more complex the bigger the church gets. But, but I, I'm just thinking of a church, you know, the average Baptist Union Northern Association church is probably about 60 people on a Sunday. Um, our church, you know, maybe stretching to the 200 mark. The, the reality is in those kinds of churches, by the time a person's name is brought to the church mm. as an elder, uh, everybody knows that that person. They, they've addressed the church from the from the front, if not from the pulpit, then certainly by leading communion or mm. leading corporate prayer or leading worship. They, the, the church is familiar with mm. them. They, they know what they're getting because they have seen in this person a shepherd's heart. They've seen in this person the management of a ministry that they have been overseeing. You, you don't recognize potential. <laughs> You recognize people that are actually doing the work to God's yeah. praise and glory. Yeah. And maybe just to talk about the formalized side of of that discipleship process, because I, I do think that, um, that, that, that we ought to equip men yeah. with the deeper truths of the f- of the of the faith and the kinds of things that I would advocate for I did drop uh, into the show notes uh, the Crystal Park Baptist Churches Bible training for church leaders um, and Bible study leaders we open that up to everyone so if you're wanting to lead a Bible study or you wanting you feel that there might be a call uh, for future church leadership we open up a, a two-year call uh, to people so that they can um, they can be equipped uh, and we would take them through these kinds of topics of a two-year cycle 
uh, hermeneutics and homiletics, the ability to read God's word and understand God's word and then relay God's word to others. Uh, that's a qualification of an elder. Systematic theology, um, a big picture overview of all the major doctrines of God's word so that, so that they can correctly handle uh, the word of truth. A Bible overview, we'd expect them to, uh, over a period of time, read through the whole Bible and then we'll work through the Bible systematically, book by book, explaining what are the big what's the big storyline mm. uh, in each book and how the entire Bible fits together and um, some kind of ecclesiology mm. um, we call it our healthy church and we use the nine marks of a healthy church uh, as as reading material and we work through um, kind of like the big matters of ecclesiology um, uh, together with uh, prospective church leaders and then a solid grounding of biblical eldership and that goes beyond just understanding the qualifications and the character uh, of the man um, to actually how do elders elder you know how do mm. elder meetings work how mm. do how do how do decisions get made in the church mm. you know uh, what's the relationship between the congregational principal uh, and those who would lead the church these kinds of things uh, people need to understand we mm. need to be on the same page uh, if we're going to be effective as we interact uh, with one another and so those are the kinds of um, of topics that we would cover over a two-year period and at the end of that two-year you don't get a certificate <laughs> um, but what you do get is equipped in order to handle God's word and to serve in whatever place God has put you for some people that would be the heads of homes the spiritual heads of homes for some people that might be a parent uh, a mother to child relationship or a, a parent to child relationship for others it might be a Sunday school teacher who now has the ability to handle God's word for others a Bible study leader for others as a ministry leader um, but for a few that God um, has called into ministry it would be the recognition of an elder mm. or a deacon um, that that the church might be built up that the people might be served and that God might receive much praise and glory for our, our prayers really go out to all the elders and to the deacons holding the line in local churches as well as to our ministries that serve in foreign fields. And we also want to remember and pray and give much respect for our first responders, police, firefighters, paramedics, mm -hmm. correctional facility, uh, service workers, as well as nurses who serve our nation with such excellence. You've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, uh, and my friend and partner in crime extraordinaire, okay. Lance Lawton, talking on the topic of elders. We're going to be going to news now uh, fairly shortly. And so until next week, Friday. Go with God and get after it. God bless.